Broadcasting from Nashville Guitar Store in the heart of Music City, USA. Bringing you inspiration, education, and behind-the-scenes stories from prominent guitarists and others influential in the music profession. Sharing tales of their history, discussing guitars, their gear, their work, what's on tap for the future, and delivering wisdom we'll all appreciate. Your host is Marcia Ware Wilder, nationally recognized radio personality, singer, actor, and author. Chris Katros is our guest today, and he has one of those really cool, fun resumes. Getting just really excited to talk to him about all things guitar. He's worked with Lori Morgan. Lots of guitarists have worked with Lori. Everybody's worked with Lori Morgan. I think it's kind of like your rite of passage into Nashville music <laughs> to do that. Lila McCann, um, Leanne Womack, Steve Holy, Jody Messina, Engelbert Humperdinck. Mm-hmm. And I just, it's just, I just like to say his name. It's just kind of cool. Six months or so, I worked with Engelbert. The, yeah, we'll, we'll have to I'll have to ask you about that later. Percy Sledge, as well as uh, the late Mindy McCready, and uh, currently working with Terry Clark. Yeah, for yeah. the last seven years. Yeah. Yeah. She is truly one of my favorite singer-songwriters. I do like oh, her. She's, st- great, yeah. she's cool to work with. Oh, absolutely. I figured as much. You wouldn't be there seven years. But yeah, you don't you don't stay with the gig if if it's no, you know if it's not people, fun. I mean, especially here in Nashville, you know, I don't know many people that keep gigs that long. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. I think by the when you were in Lori's band, I think at that point. The longest running person was Chris Kent. He'd been there. Yeah, yeah. CK. CK had been there for about seven, eight years, and by the time my tenure ended, it was about nine years. So, yeah. But so it's kind of it is rare. It's like when you can just like name a handful of people that have sure. done that. But um, we are so glad to have you on the show. Thank you for stopping by. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no problem. Hey, let's start at the beginning. Um, where do you hail from? Uh, Florence, South Carolina. You you Carolina boy. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, what did you come from a musical family? No. You were the only one. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I think I have an older brother who played a little violin, a very little violin. No. <laughs> but, and it, but it, he didn't stick with music or anything. He, so it was just you. So it was just me, and it was, you know, I was completely self-taught for the longest time. You know? How'd you stumble into that? If nobody in your family was into music, how did you find your way there? Uh, brain damage maybe um, <laughs> thanks I, for keeping it real <laughs> well now you know it we had i mean if you think about it this would have been like the late 70s early 1980s mm-hmm. so there wasn't as many things to get yourself into true you know, there wasn't as many we didn't have you know all this you know technology you know the I mean, that was right yeah. at the very beginning of, like, video games and that oh, kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. And I really, I don't know, television wasn't all that interesting, maybe. There were, there were far less things. Computers weren't were just kind of a thing of the future. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were happening, but, yeah. you know, to play guitar or play a musical instrument just seemed yeah. a really cool thing to do. Not, I mean, not as many distractions back in the day. Yeah, I'm and, and you. for me, it was just, you know, it was something I could just kind of go off and do without anybody really to you know getting in my world you know do you remember the first time you ever picked up a guitar how old you were oh uh, I don't remember I mean I was pretty young I was probably fourth or fifth grade I remember this kid bringing one yeah I was in sixth grade this kid brought an acoustic guitar to school and it I, I picked it up and I remember playing a couple of notes on it. And it, I think at that point I'd already been playing mandolin. Okay. A little bit because I, I had I started out with that. Yeah. Actually. Now, the, as far as like technique goes, between switching between guitar and mando, we had a mando player in uh, in uh, our last podcast. Uh, gentleman came by and uh, kind of gave us this was a that was a cool tut- tutorial because I know nothing about mando. We talked about switching back and forth from mando to fiddle, but is it much of a challenge to is there, in terms of like just technique to switch from mando to guitar? Uh, I mean, not really. Uh, the tuning is backwards, you know. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's violin tuning, you know. Okay, okay. Um, so it's it's a little, but that's really not even the issue. The, the hardest thing for me nowadays is just the size of the instrument. It's gotcha. Just getting over the fact that the frets are way closer together, and and um, I also, especially around here with mandolin, you know, there's so many great bluegrassers 
mm-hmm. and they have and so whenever I whenever you know I'm forced into playing a mandolin track and on a session or something it's you know I, I refer to it as, as well I'm, I'm a pretty decent uh, rock and roll mandolin player because I mean I can play chords and some simple stuff but if you want me to sound like Sam Bush or right. you know one yeah. of those cats it's going to be like nah, nah. call those guys <laughs> Uh, going back to your early days, um, you said it was uh, sixth grade before you um, picked up a um, guitar, or you had already been playing, but um, yeah. do you remember the first car- guitar you owned? Oh, yeah, yeah. Do you it still was, have it? You know, I'm sure it's at my my dad's house somewhere in uh-huh. pieces. It was basically a hunk of plywood with a couple of pickups on it. It looked like a Les Paul, Okay, but it was... No, not a Les Paul at all. wasn't a Gibson Les Paul. <laughs> um, it was from Sears, and I got it from, for Christmas. Very a, cool. With a little with a little amplifier that was probably like one watt or something or two watts. And I still have the amp. I actually have the amp here. That's cool. Do you, it, I, you know, wow! How, how would that be? Well, how old would that amp be? Old enough. Maybe <laughs> eighty. So that would have been Christmas of seventy nine. So wow. Okay. All right. I'm totally. Is it functional? Oh yeah, it still works. Wow. No, I mean it's not. It was. Uh, I mean, it didn't obviously see a whole lot before yeah. I moved. On. I mean, I didn't use it as much. Mm-hmm. I guess I used it as much as I could, and yeah. then graduated on to something a little bit better. I think that's the cool. Next year, like within a year, I had already sort of moved on to a like a nicer amplifier. Right, but the fact that you still have it and the fact that that it still oh, yeah. functions that's that's really cool because yeah. we're such a wasteful people. Sometimes <laughs> it's like the, you find that next that next good thing and you just kind of gravitate toward that and the old is kind of tossed aside it's kind of cool that's a question I ask of a lot of our guests is if they still have their first guitar because it's just something you you it to me it's a cool you could have a, like a cool memory connected to oh, sure. you know that this this part of your life because your guitar is kind of that extension of who you are and mm-hmm. so to to kind of keep what you've had in the past is is pretty amazing I've you know it's a shame I've had a lot of interesting guitars over the years and there's there's several I when I first started like the, the thing the guitar for me was to get uh, a Gibson Les Paul okay you know like that was just like the ultimate yeah and you know you know some for a lot of people it's just Stratocaster or Telly or whatever yeah but, but I had a, an older cousin who played in a cover band okay and he had a Les Paul and within a few years, I had the exact same guitar. I had an exact copy. So for the uninitiated, the difference between a Strat, a Les Paul, is it just kind of personal preference, or yeah. is there just a is is it a, like a body issue the way it, the way it kind of conforms to who to your phys- physicality, or what is the difference? I don't know. I, for some reason, the Les Paul just looked cooler to me. Well, there you go. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I didn't really know the difference. I mean, it, I, I guess I sort of picked up on the fact that Fenders were brighter sounding, mm-hmm. Strats, Tellys, and all that. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were cool, and I knew people that had those, or I saw people. Um, like I said, I had this cousin; uh, he's passed on now, some years ago. But he was, he was a really good player, and he played a Les Paul, Les Paul Deluxe. Yeah, you know, and it was fantastic so guitar. Tell us about your guitar collection. What do you have in your arsenal right now? Mostly, oh, I don't. Mostly, have any. <laughs> I, I, you know, it's 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 strange. I mean, I have pretty much. I don't have as many guitars as a lot of people that I know. Most mm-hmm. friends of mine that that do the same kind of scene have a lot more instruments than I do. Okay. Um. And I have gone through phases where you know I played strats for years or whatever. Yeah. Um. And it's interesting that you got as a player you always end up coming back around to whatever it was you started out really digging and for me I like when I'm out on the road with Terry mm-hmm. I use two most of the time I use two electric guitars with her and they're both Les Pauls okay yeah you know what would you say is your core setup are you more of a gearhead or do you keep it simple I keep it very simple okay. I've gone through phases yeah when I've had you know racks of gear and blinking lights and fancy this mm-hmm. 
you know, and then the mega pedal board, you know, you know the the, the Nashville approved mega pedal board. <laughs> um, and what I came to the conclusion, aside from an easy way to throw your back out when mm-hmm. you're lifting it, is that sonically it just didn't make as much sense to me. I I found myself whenever I would get home, I'd be plugging straight into an amp and mm-hmm. just enjoying the sound more. And so, uh, just over the years, I kind of whittled it back down. It's like yeah. I'm 16 again with just a few pedals and yeah. a, a Les Paul and a cool amp, you know. I mean, well, okay, so looking at this list of, of folks you've played with, a lot of ladies. Yeah, I don't know. Is that just kind of luck out. of the draw? <laughs> well, there were, you know, there was a pretty good run of them for a long yeah. time. Yeah. From the 90s. I moved here in 96. Okay. And that seemed to be more of a period of time That's when that true. was happening, I guess. Yeah, you're right. You know, there were more female artists at the time that were successful, or I don't know. No, no, actually, now, you, now that you say that, that totally makes sense, because that was, like, you know, the early days of, like, Faith Hill and, and uh, you know, Reba at her peak, and, yeah. and, and you know, again, Terry was, was Mindy was, was happening, and Lori was, yeah. was, a, was an A-lister, and, mm-hmm. and yeah, Le- Leanne had her, you know, her crossover, sure. Hope You Dance, so it's, and, and so, silly question, but I like to ask it, who's easy to work with, the men or the ladies? In terms of artists, well, I mean, pretty. Much, I, I haven't had any trouble working with any of the people that I've worked with. I mean, they've all been low maintenance. Pretty low maintenance. Yeah, I mean, I, I think maybe in some cases it could have been because everyone sort of knew that I was just sort of filling in for mm-hmm. someone else. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, they they've all been pretty easy. I think. You know, I, mean, I don't remember yeah. ever anything getting ugly with any of them really <laughs> I mean so now do you um, well no I'm going to stay on the same train um, moving for you played with a, like a, an, a huge load of uh, country artists but uh, I had mentioned uh, Engelbert Humperdinck and Percy Sledge and I know those are probably like one offs or just kind of fill in yeah. but we were talking about Percy before the interview uh, what was he like to work with? Was that, you know... It I mean, was so f- fast. I mean, it was only a few times, really. Yeah. And um, he, at the time, I was really young. Uh, and at the time, what he would do is he didn't really have a band. Mm-hmm. So he would go around to different places and he would just hire local bands they he would show up and rehearse with them in the afternoon and then play the gig that night mm-hmm. uh i know chuck berry's done the same thing okay over the years, you know? yeah but that was kind of what percy would do he would just fly into wherever he had a gig him and his wife and he would just go to the whatever club or mm-hmm. wherever because in the 80s i mean th- we're talking i was young so i mean this was in south carolina this okay. was before i split yeah went on my journey Gotcha. circling the country you know only to find myself back in the south but um yeah so I this was before Michael Bolton was, yeah it was Michael Bolton that did a remake of When a Man Loves a Woman and yeah. a huge hit with okay. it, yeah, yeah, yeah. which kind of put Percy back on the map mm, right. again or at least on the radar I should say yeah because everybody I think knew yeah. you know I mean I know think everybody knew who Percy Sledge was Mm -hmm. because of that one song right right even though he had many others that were great you know that Mm -hmm. was but that was the the big mega hit that everyone remembers you know so so who's the coolest person you remember working for Hmm. just like you know no matter how long it was you're like it's hard to say I I mean they've all been kind of cool that's see that's that's so great I mean mean, Terry's great obviously I mean I've been with her what's it like working with her let's 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 talk about your current game easy because well about a year or so after I started playing with her uh, there was some lineup changes in the band whatever and she made me band leader Mm. okay and the band got smaller. We didn't have pedal steel anymore, and for a while we didn't have fiddle, and you know, et cetera, et cetera. So it was guitar, bass, drums, you know. 
pretty basic. Yeah, and she's playing guitar all the time. Yeah. Um, and she's a really, really, really uh, like, studio-tight guitar player. Oh, cool. As far as, like, her acoustic guitar stuff goes, and electric. Yeah. When she plays, it's tight. Yeah. So I'd always have that in my ears. Yeah. Because um, that's, that's the I mean, that's a whole separate, like, opening a whole box of stuff about in-ears and using those. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah I'm you know, you. basically, whenever I'm using those kind of, when I'm using in-ears, there's only so much I'm going to have in them. Right. I'm not having it. I'm not putting everybody in there. It's just not much real estate. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right, exactly. And and if you try to hear everybody on stage, yeah. you're not going to hear yourself. Exactly. Which is weird. So I set it up kind of like if I'm on a session, I like that. Hear a lot of me, a lot of drums, and, mm-hmm. you know. Keep that rhythm going. Hear the vocal, but not too loud because mm-hmm. it's going to be in that frequency that it may mess with me. Or, yeah. You know. But, um, so Terry's really solid rhythm player. Uh, so it became a rock and roll band. I mean, I know. Yeah, you take the pedal steel you out, really, you take the fiddle out. Yeah, you really have. I, I, I was thinking about this the other day. We played at a uh, country fest in Wisconsin last <laughs> past Sunday. Mm-hmm. Odag. Yes. And it's it was a rock gig. I mean, it really, really was. I mean, I hate to say it, but, you know, yeah. Les Paul threw a loud amp. Yeah. And it reminds me very much of a cover band I played in when I was in high school. Wow. You know, <laughs> playing, like, ACDC tunes. Yeah. And, you know, so. Um, let me jump back to um, the gear. I meant to ask you a question earlier. Um you talked about keeping it simple and how when you first got started there wasn't a whole lot of technology to distract you from from kind of learning your craft what uh, in in a 2016 world Mm -hmm. what kind of is there any kind of technology that that relates to what you do does it influence your sound is there anything that you know that's a tough one i mean i (laughs) listen to stuff i mean it's strange because an old friend of mine, great bass player, friend of mine, once told me that this whole game is like a merry-go-round. You mm-hmm. always end up coming back around to whatever it was that first turned you on. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm finding myself in that zone very much these days. I'm listening to a lot of the people that I started out listening to, which ironically weren't uh, what a lot of the kids my age were listening to. Like when I was first starting out, obviously Eddie Van Halen, and yeah, you know those were the cats that everybody would digging on like in the junior high yeah school. well who was who was influencing you back in the day well i mean somehow because i i guess because i had been around enough older people that had music collections i was checking out eric clapton yeah and bb king mm-hmm. and well i started reading guitar player magazine pretty quick so yeah i was getting turned on to all of these people that maybe my friends at school hadn't heard mm-hmm like so immediately like I picked up Jeff Beck wired and blow by blow and like some Clapton stuff and, yeah uh, um, even though it took a while to find the early Clapton the primo mm-hmm. stuff, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and uh, Jimmy Page I mean I, I didn't listen to the to the the current crop of like popular players right that you time yeah you were going a few years later gotcha yeah I, I was like checking out the earlier people well, that would make sense because you, I mean, as someone who wants to grow in it, you want to you want to kind of dig into what's tried and true and not oh, yeah. what's kind of because, you know, anybody that's popular today, there's a very good chance, given the fickle nature of this industry. Yeah. You, you, know, you may not hear. Them. You may not hear their name again, yeah. you know. So, yeah, I, that, you know, as a singer, I was, yeah, I was listening to Tina Turner. I was listening yeah. to, you know, I was going back. You know, I, you know, to Diana Ross. I was going back to like you know Supreme stuff and and uh, anything that was. I mean, Mahalia Jackson yeah. gospel. So I was you. you it, it does. It's not that way for everybody, but I understand what yeah, you're saying. Totally. I mean, the Beatles, the Rolling Stones. Mm-hmm. I had. I remember buying a bunch of Beatles records mm-hmm. when I could. I mean, and when I say a bunch, I mean back in those days, nobody owned that many records. Right. Like. You know, well, once the whole CD thing happened. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You know, and then eventually the download from you know iTunes yeah. thing happened. It's like music became tremendous. Like everyone's collections have, have gotten 
just huge. Yeah. But I wonder how much they have actually listened to. Like, because I, I find myself, I own a bunch of stuff that I never, I never listened to. I, I'm telling you right now, if I could get my hands on a decent turntable, and oh, yeah. I would, I would go vinyl again. There's a great that McKay's used bookstore oh, yeah. and music. And the Great Escape on Charlotte's great. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, well, there you go. When you come to Nashville, Great Escape on Charlotte, okay. and then we've got McKay's on Whitebridge, I think it is. Well, but actually, they're on. Uh, they moved. They're yeah, on, they're in Bellevue. They're, they're on. Uh, just off of Interstate Old Forty. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah, just off Interstate Forty. So there you go. There's a, there's a plug. We plug everything here. We're not ashamed. Cool. We don't care. Yeah. We don't care. But um. Well, given what you were just saying um, about technology and downloading and stuff like that, what would you say for you right now is your biggest challenge as an artist? Because you would kind of consider yourself a utility guy, a sideman. What would you call yourself if you were going to tell somebody? Yeah, a side, a side guy. You're the side guy. I mean, I have been flirting over the last several years with my own sort of compositional thing you know writing some stuff and getting together with some people and jamming and seeing what happens it's been slow going because it's interrupted by work right you know either session or going out and playing someone else's gig that is a that is an interesting challenge and but i know that you know i'm gonna have some downtime later in this year you know in the fall um planning on trying to get out there and and you know even if it's just playing at the family wash for yeah you know for kicks yeah you know just to get out there and play the music yeah you know um that's mine which yeah. hasn't happened very much i mean at all so you, know? you have written in the past well you know the or writing just thing kind of, yeah. came recently it 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 all sort of started happening three, maybe three years ago. Okay. And uh, I was right in the middle of, of um, like, getting a bunch of tunes together, and then I had some health stuff that kind of sidetracked me, but it's all good now. Yeah, remember that. You know? um, but that really sort of knocked me out of mm -hmm. the, the loop for, you know, several months just dealing with that. And then... Um, you know, once I got back into working again, I was like, it's like, well, what's the priority? You know, not to mention it just it takes, you have to really carve out time. And, yeah, you and, do. And, and other people's time, too. You know, it's, it's, you know, you have to schedule around other people's lives, too, to yeah. get together and work on music with people. And we're going to put this conversation on pause for just a moment. When I come back, we'll hear about lessons Chris learned from one of his most embarrassing moments on stage, and we'll play another round of Take Your Pick. When we come back with part two of our podcast with Chris Katros, I'm Marcia Ware, and you are at NashvilleGuitarStore.com. At NashvilleGuitarStore.com, paying full price for guitars is a thing of the past. Like, dial-up internet. You'll find Epiphone, Fender, Gretsch, Ibanez, Taylor, and lots more. What you won't find is the big box store prices. Get yourself a killer guitar at a fraction of the retail price at NashvilleGuitarStore.com. NashvilleGuitarStore.com It's knowing that your door is always open and your path is free to walk. That makes me tend to leave my sleeping bag rolled up and stashed behind your couch. And it's knowing I'm not shackled by forgotten words and bombs and the ink stains that I've dried upon some lines. That was Terry Clark and her version of the Glenn Campbell classic Gentle on My Mind, featuring today's guest, Chris Katros on guitar. I'm Marcia Ware, and you are at NashvilleGuitarStore.com, and we're now ready to start part two of our conversation with Chris Katros. What was your most embarrassing moment on stage? What if can <laughs> Some people are real quick to tell us, because they don't mind laying it out there, but uh, you have been, I've known you for a while, you're such a cool customer, I've never, I don't think I've ever seen you make a bad move on stage, so I, I well, can't even, yeah. 
<laughs> well, I mean, the, th- the thing is, is like everyone's going to play a clam. I mean, yeah, there's, it's just a matter of whether or not, you know, at the end of the night, you've got enough for, for chowder, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's... And also, it's, it's just whether or not it's something that's noticeable. But, I mean, I've had numerous gigs where I've played something that was a little funky that wasn't right, and I don't mean in a cool way. <laughs> you know, like, oh, that's not really yeah. appropriate. <laughs> that's not what I was going for. Swing and a miss. <laughs> like, and it depends on the music, too. I mean, like, I occasionally, uh, there's a cover band here in town. It's a Steely Dan tribute mm-hmm. band called 12 Against Nature. I've been playing with for the last, I don't know, 12 years, mm-hmm. since they started. I haven't been able to make every gig in recent years just because of, you know, I'll be out on the road mm-hmm. and whatnot. And um, so there's some subs, you know, yeah. whatever. But it's, it, for the most part, over the last 10 years or so, it's been me and Tom Hemby yeah. playing guitars. You know Tom. Yeah, I know yeah. Tom. Actually, we had Tom in here. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah we've had Tom in here. He's, he's, he's the man. So, oh, yeah. And, um, but there was, there have been times where I've played some just, like uh, to quote a, a a great teacher I knew in L.A. years ago, strong but wrong. Yeah, you know where it's just loud and proud and just the ugliest. Just wrong. And everyone starts <laughs> laughing. And there was one. One. It was. And I can't remember the song now. It was some Steely Dan tune, obviously, because it was that gig, and it was at Third and Lindsley. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And. I just looked at the chart where you're, and this is the thing, I've played these tunes for years, but, yeah. but if you go for any length of time when I play in Steely Dan tunes, and, and it's a one that has a little more intricate kind of stuff, mm-hmm. and a lot, it's hard to, it's not easy to just sort of break your way through that. Right, right. You know, there's yeah. some chords and stuff that you don't normally play, and um, not in Nashville at least, you don't do that on sessions. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and it was... I guess I looked at, you know, I read music, but I'm not the best sight reader anymore because I just don't do it. Yeah. And I guess I looked at the chart completely wrong. Or in the heat of the moment, Mm -hmm. I just played the wrong chord. I mean, it was as wrong. It was a half step off, and it was was just as ugly as you could possibly imagine. And Tom, (laughs) there was dead silence, (laughs) and him be standing next to me, and he kind of, chuckled <laughs> which made it even worse but also kind of funny at the same time um, and uh, yeah that one that one that, that but you know it's it happens yeah it does it's just a matter of covering it yeah up you know there was the old saying about you know if you make a mistake on stage or whatever do it twice so it sounds like you meant to do meant it, to do it. You know? <laughs> that's but clever i have for a number of years now said that there's a lot more pressure on you to play live i mean it's strange you know yeah you may have encountered this yourself or know people have encountered this but in the studio some people get nervous they get the, when the red lights on it kind of freaks them out it did in the beginning right yeah it happens to a yeah, lot of people it happens. And, and maybe it happened but I find it a lot easier now to relax and just play in the studio yeah. than I do because it's because I know if I, if I screw up I can always fix it yeah you know absolutely so but live yeah wow so so you know and I'll be on the gig with Terry yeah you know, if I think too much about what's going on instead of just being in the moment and mm-hmm. listening to everybody, mm-hmm. if I zone in too much on what I'm doing, or and there again, the in ears makes it a little challenging because sometimes you can hear too much of yourself. Yeah, you know, and it's not really the way I started out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I started out like everyone else. We had wedges, wedges, and if you wanted to hear somebody, you would walk closer to them. You know, if you needed to hear more, you could either get it in the wedge or you would you know it was more mm-hmm. for lack of a better thing just a more natural listening experience and with in ears you can't walk away from the source right if it's in there you know yeah. i mean the really big groups have everyone has like their own like you two everyone has their own monitor guy i would imagine yeah yeah at that level yeah whether they need it or not yeah just because there's changes made to each 
mix during you know the night and and um, also you know moving to Nashville and playing with country artists it was the strangest thing but it's like the first road gigs that I had that I got in this town they didn't want amps on stage which was bizarre to me because that's like that's and well what the idea is is that you know, if, if you if you have a nowadays you don't really need to have amps on stage you mm -hmm. can have because the PA is going to be really working yeah everybody's on in-ears yeah if you keep the amps off the stage then it keeps the stage volume down and yeah. the front house engineer mm -hmm. can do his job better his or her job better mm -hmm. and so it makes total sense yeah. I'm, I'm actually cool with it now right even though I have an amp on stage again a lot of times but in some rooms like plates uh, played a city winery in Chicago mm -hmm. Friday night last Friday night there was no way I could have my amp on stage Not oh yeah because yeah I was gonna say if it's anything like the city winery in Nashville yeah, it's basically tiny the same setup tiny stage yeah yeah so I had it like tucked away in a hall yeah you know, long speaker cable that kind of thing yeah um, <laughs> didn't bother me. Yeah, it was cool. You know, okay. it was a great gig. Mm -hmm. Polar opposites playing this on Sunday at a festival I had the amp right behind me. Right, cranking. Yeah, you know, but um, that's interesting. That's yeah. really cool. So, what's next what for were, you? What were you talking about? Well, we're actually, well, you dr you drifted out of <laughs> I your drifted most about making I mistakes. And all yeah, that. no, you d about your most embarrassing moment, but that's that, well. I think a lot of times, if I'm making, I mean, I'm not. I'm not trying to make an excuse, but I've thought about this a lot over the years. The in-ears thing can really make me make a mistake. Right. Quick. Just because I'm either hearing things weird and it's just messing with my touch or... Yeah. You know, because yeah. a lot of it is how you hear yourself. I, I would mean, say in-ears are kind of the industry standard now. So most young people, that's, you know, they when yeah. they get up on stage, that's what they know. But those of us who grew up in the wedge era, I could not ever keep both ears in. I had to have one ear in to hear Lori, the drums, yeah. and the bass, sure. basically. And then I had the other ear so I could hear everything else. Yeah, hear I just room. I just need to hear the room, yeah. Yeah, it, it's a little clinical yeah. A lot of people, and the first time I ever did it, I I hated the way it sounded. Oh, for me, it's claustrophobic. You know, I and I kept saying to people on the gig, much to their chagrin, <laughs> "Hey, you know, if you just put a wedge in front of me, I'll sound a lot better." Mm -hmm. Yeah, but, it know, kind of opens things. It's a it's hard, it's a hard a, statement to qualify because yeah. they don't know what you're talking about. Right, right. Because they're not you, and I know some really great players that that in this world. Not in the country world, but in say the rock world, that mm. they absolutely will not use in ears. Yeah, you know, you go see Paul McCartney; they're yeah. using wedges. Yeah, well, you know? like switching from from that to like the Motown gig, the the Funk Brothers. Yeah, Laurie was like straight up in ears. Funk Brothers, all Old wedges. School, yeah. Old school, all wedges. But do your ears ring? Did did you, did you notice that your ears would ring on a gig where there's wedges versus? Oh yeah. Yeah. See, and that's the thing. Yeah, so there's that's, a there's, yeah, there's that. a, yeah, there's the yin and the yang, if you will. <laughs> My ears never ring, even though it's you know, I, I don't have, I, I I really don't try to crank up any music really loud. Yeah. Whether I'm in the studio with headphones or mm -hmm. in ears or whatever, I I I'm, I, I mean, I already have a little bit of ringing in my left ear and I've lost some I'm sure some high end from cymbals and whatnot. standing stage right with the cymbal yeah I mean with the drummer being to my left yeah. obviously over the years I've lost some high end I would find I, I will tell you now at this stage of my life I find myself saying come again more yeah <laughs> because I can't I can't hear low frequency at all it all sounds like mumbling to me so to be so I've become a bit of a close talker and I hate that because I know people like their personal space but I can't hear you in a crowded so, room yeah. I will have to turn mm -hmm. kind of to, mm -hmm. to hear somebody yeah you know if they're speaking into my left ear I, I have to Turn. Well, that's interesting because I mean I don't think I've ever really talked to anybody about that aspect of being on stage, especially for a guitar player, how difficult it is to to you know make that transition from in ear to wedge, or you've grown up using in ears, yeah. you know, and now you got somebody asks you to use a wedge, that's got to be kind of weird, well, or vice versa. However, it's a complete opposite thing when you play acoustic guitar. Okay. Because with in ears. If you're playing acoustic guitar, which I don't do very much of that live, you know, mm -hmm. but we do a little mini acoustic set with Terry in the mm -hmm. middle of the gig. But 
Um, it's been years and years since I played a lot of acoustic guitar live. Yeah. Which is ironic because most of the sessions, tracking sessions I do these days, yeah. especially in country, I'm the acoustic guy. Right. Just because I like, I prefer being, I was never a lick. Yeah. You know, I, I never had like a card catalog of like licks. Yeah. I didn't grow up playing country, so. Yeah. You know, I don't know all the little licks that everyone, you know, <laughs> and I. Down, 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 down. I mean, yeah. it's, uh, I probably do. I mean, I end up... You probably know more than you think well, you... Yeah, that, and, yeah. and a lot of times what happens is that if I played acoustic on the tracking date, then a lot of times they might bring me back for overdubs on electric. Gotcha. Just to get more of a rock thing or whatever. Yeah. You know. But anyway, um, playing acoustic guitar within ears versus a wedge is so much better because you can relax. Okay. you can hear yourself. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's a different, it's a different animal. Acoustic guitar and electric are two different instruments. Right, right, absolutely. You know? I would imagine that trying to play acoustic on in-ears, you'd get kind of lost in the shuffle. Well, no, they're great. It's great using in-ears, but through wedges. Through wedges, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. Get, Sorry, yeah, yeah. Yeah, through wedges, sometimes you end up playing harder than you need to. Right. And, it's, and if you have to do any single note stuff, you can... A lot of times that can mess with you because yeah. you're not hearing yourself enough. Yeah. Okay. You know? Yeah, that makes sense. I'm sorry. I meant wedges and it came yeah. out. Yeah. So, well, what is next for you? I have no idea. You have no idea. That's the, the battle cry of the Nashville musician. Well, <laughs> you know, there once was a time when you could look at your calendar and go, okay, next week I've got this and that. and Well, actually... Uh, with Terry, you've well, got... Well, with Terry, yeah. I know I leave Monday night and we're gone for two weeks to yeah. do a little run, you know. Um, it's not a very busy year band-wise. She's doing solo tour of Canada in the fall. Yeah. Um, which is, like like I may have mentioned earlier, I mean, I think that's having some downtime mm-hmm. to maybe I can do something else that's my own. Yeah. You know. I would love to hear what kind of what kind of sounds come out of your little writing factory. Well, that would be that would be an interesting thing to hear. It's tricky. I'd love to hear it myself. <laughs> I mean, because yeah, it's too easy to get into the whole shredder fusoid guitar mm-hmm, mm-hmm. kind of like I've never really been. I mean, I I, I lived in Los Angeles in the late '80s, mm-hmm. and then there was that period of time when you had people. Oh yeah, it was Shredder uh, Central. That were shredders, but then you know you had the jazzier fusion guys that were also shred. Frank Bali was one yeah. in particular. Great players, um, and it was a great time for guitar in a lot of ways. But at the same time, when I was there, I didn't really dig a lot of the music. Right. Like I was more into the old school thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you had you know you had Robin Ford and Larry Carlton. Robin and, Ford, you know, yeah. People like that too, and that was. I always associated that with the West Coast kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Um, well, I found out that you know Robin Ford was influenced highly by Miles Davis, who I listened to a lot of at mm-hmm. various times in my life. But then recently, I've started listening back to this guy Michael Bloomfield, who's okay. been gone since 1981. Okay. I think. 81, I think he passed away. But uh, he was a Bay Area... Well, he was originally from Chicago, but he was a guitar hero before Clapton and Beck and Page and Hendrix. People, especially in San Francisco, found out about him. What was his name again? Michael Bloomfield. Michael Bloomfield. Amazing guitar player. Okay. Blues guitar. Right, right. He was a a kid growing up in the suburbs. He had privilege. Yeah. I mean, his father was a huge... Highly successful businessman, mm-hmm. um, and he would sneak away or not sneak away, but he would end up on the South Side going to the blues clubs, mm-hmm. checking out Muddy Waters, mm-hmm. Howlin' Wolf, you know, BB mm-hmm. King, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, checking out the real guys. Yeah. And so what I found with my own listening, I've gone back and I've been listening to a lot more of that kind of stuff: Bloomfield, BB King, Albert King, Freddie King. Yeah. Uh, Buddy guy, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, a lot of the guys that, you know, early Eric Clapton, a lot of the, and not so early Eric Clapton, right? You know, he has a newer record out, the new record that I need to check out. Anyway, um, so I've been listening to a lot of blues again. That's cool. So, uh, whatever I end up doing, it's going to have, it seems like that's going to be a part of it anyway. Yeah. You know, 
That's know. yeah. Even though I did, you know, I went through the jazz phase. Yeah. And I went through the phase where I was playing classical guitar at eight eight hours a day. Yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah. You know. Yeah. 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 It's it's a blessing and a curse to go to music school. I'll tell it, you that. Yeah, it really is. You know? It is. Because you can end up having option anxiety, and <laughs> identity. You know, a problem trying to figure out what it is that you really do. You know, finding your voice. Yeah, right. You know, and, and, but it's, you know, it's a common thing that we talk about here on the show. Is, oh, is finding, so. yeah, finding your own voice because so many of you are so versatile in what you do sure. and so educated in what you do. It's not just the school of hard knocks or the school of the road, but like mm-hmm. there is a legitimate educational process that you've been through, yeah. and it and it can kind of keep things a little bit. It's like a smorgasbord. It's like a buffet. It's like yeah. okay, uh, which one? What? What do I really want? Yeah. You know. So, so I get. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. That's yeah. That's that's good stuff. I mean, we have touched on some stuff that a lot of the guys have talked about, and a few things. I mean, just really delving into the whole in ear situation, uh, the ear. You know, for guitar players and what that's all about. That's actually that's some that's great concrete stuff. Thank you so much for sharing that. And um, how can we follow you? I mean, like you know, for those of us. <laughs> Who, who, yeah, how can we stalk you? What's well, yeah? I mean, <laughs> I mean, aside from you know those those weekly jaunts that I kind of just peek into your your I home, s- but no, I'm just kidding. I do, yeah, I mean, I am on Facebook, obviously, like everyone else. Yeah. Even though sometimes I wonder if that's what I want to do. But yeah. It, it's you know, here's the strange thing about all of this. Anymore, if you have an endorsement deal with anybody, mm-hmm. you pretty much have to have an online presence. True. Be True. Facebook, social, yeah. I have, I have, yeah, social media. That yes, that's got to be a part of it. Social media, <laughs> um, yeah. Virtual friends versus real ones. Yes, um, yes. No, but it's so I am on Facebook and I am on Twitter. Even though I never think, I mean, it's. Just, I forget to tweet all the time. I, I'm, I'm posting stuff on Facebook all the time. Once but in a while, I'll do it and. I'm waiting any day for like my string endorsement and whoever else that still loves me to like stop sending me birthday and Christmas cards because <laughs> I'm telling you I'm the worst at like hashtag yeah so and so and yeah. so and so I mean yeah I mean and and I've also been the worst at at uh, hustling and and mm-hmm. uh, people for endorsement deals yeah I mean it's usually the the deals that I've managed to get have been through others, through friends that were, hey, why are you buying strings retail still, you know? Yeah. So they would hook me up with, you know, the Dario or, or whatever. But, yeah. um, I'm the, okay, so I'm the worst at doing that. In the first, and nowadays, if you're, especially a new up-and-coming player in, on the scene, you have to have so much presence on mm-hmm. the social media thing, so many tweets yeah, I mean, I mean, they really to yeah. get a deal with most string companies or they want to see you. They want to see you Instagramming. They, they want to see, see Facebook Instagram. And, yeah, they and I don't even know what that is, by the way. But Snapchat, all that yeah, stuff. Is, I mean, it never ends. It would take too long to yeah. explain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had to bring my niece in to kind of give you a, a condensed version because she is like the Instagram queen. But um, well, Facebook for me and for our generation. Facebook seems to be like the go-to social media yeah. vehicle. So if you want to know where Terry Clark is playing, uh, you can always uh, obviously find her social media stuff. But uh, sure. to, to follow Chris, it, it's it's just as easy as to, to find him because one never knows what opportunities are, are down the road for all of us as we keep just soldiering yeah. on in this industry. So just to kind of check you out at Chris Katros at, uh, at Facebook would be, you know, yeah. just check in periodically to see what's going on with you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, I mean, I'm, I'm there. I just, I'm just not the most active with posting things. And when I do post things, it tends to be, you know, a video of some, uh, which I've, oddly enough, I've stopped doing a lot of because the whole controversy of posting YouTube videos and that people aren't getting paid for their... Interesting. You know, so I, I did, don't yeah, do that's, it as much, but, okay. uh, you know, because that's opening up a whole other... Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say that's a whole. Yeah, that's just yeah. But um, but a lot of times it's 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 music or non-music, and I stay away from the whole politics thing because that's just a drag. Gotcha. 
know. Gotcha. But yeah, I, yeah. I stay totally away from anything political. I don't care. Yeah, and I'm not going to be one of those. I'm, I'm getting married in five months, and I'm not going to be one of those people that's posting every little detail of the wedding either. I just want people to know what I'm going, what what you know, what my what my last great meal was. I won't take a picture of it. I'll just tell you about yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I won't. Yeah, and that's the way. I, yeah. I, mean, I will not take a picture. I won't take a picture, but I'll well, tell you I'll about tell it. I'll tell you that. Oh yeah, I'm at. Giordano's in Chicago or something, you know. See, I'm a Gino's East girl, man, because yeah, Chicago's, well, yeah, because see my, because that's where I was born. But I was staying, I was, this past weekend, I had a day off in Chicago. Yeah, you got to do the deep and dish. And the hotel was in Greek town. Oh. And there's a Giordano's just south of exactly. where all the restaurants are. So I had lunch in Greek town at a yeah. really great Greek restaurant. And I posted something about that on Facebook. Absolutely. And then I had dinner at Giordano's. So yeah. it was a food coma. Yeah, oh. The whole day. I'm telling you, there's. Have you ever been to Taste of Chicago? No. There goes your food coma, baby. I know. I haven't done it in 20 years, but yeah, because my uh, my aunt Sharon, who has since passed away, that was she. We would go. We she lived we uh, South Side of Chicago. We get on the L, mm -hmm. go all the way down to Wabash, get yeah. off at Wabash, and just walk everywhere. But then um, right there at the at Buckingham Fountain is where yeah, Taste of Chicago usually is. So. Man, I tell you, there's your food coming right I there. I want to say that that was going on recently. Maybe it was. Even it's a summertime past, thing. Maybe it was even this past weekend that it was happening. Yeah, it's. I, I usually. I think you're right. I think it usually happens in there July. Was some, there was some. Seems like there was some big band, rock. You know, some young hipster band. Yeah, because they there. do have. Yeah, it's the whole schmurg. It's great food, live yep. music. Yeah, it's the whole, and you're down there. But it's usually hotter than blue blazes this time of year in Chicago, so you got to just kind of gird yourself up. It was beautiful Saturday. Was it really? Yeah, it was like yeah. LA weather. I mean, it was uh, like a nice breeze and not, no humidity. Not I miss much that. Humidity. I miss that. In the 70s, it was, it was gorgeous. <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah. That's perfect. Well, sweetie, let's wrap this up with a little cool. game I like to call Take Your Pick. It is our audio Rorschach test, if you will. Nice. Don't even overthink it. This is just <laughs> this or that. Just You're don't even. Do. I know. I know. I, I just when that think. when it came when I that came out of my mouth, I thought, ah, oh, this yeah. might not be the right person to tell that. But all right, just real quick. Here we go. Beatles or Stones? Beatles. Guitar strings, tens or elevens. Well, tens, even though I don't, I don't play anything that heavy anymore. Ah, okay. I work so hard. <laughs> if Neil Sean and Eddie Van Halen can use nines, what? You know, then I can use. Well, I use nine and a half. So okay. Because I'm weird. But, <laughs> Take your I easy. I can't commit. You can't. <laughs> That's what it is. You're not committal. <laughs> I won't use nines or tens. Yeah. <laughs> Coke or Pepsi? Uh, really neither, but Coke, I guess, just because of the old school. Yeah. 80s hair, bring it back or leave it where it is? Um, nah, nah, it's okay. Amps, Fender or Marshall? Oh, that's a tough one because I would say both, really, depending on the day of the week and what you're doing. <laughs> I love get, I love a Les Paul through a Fender amp. Okay. But also, that sounds right, I yeah. I also love a Les Paul or a Strat through a, a through Marshall. A Marshall. Mm -hmm. There's just something magical about both. Well, the correct answer is whatever you think is best. Yeah, it just depends. <laughs> All right, here's here's a really serious one. I want you to give it, you know, absolutely no consideration whatsoever. Toilet paper, over or under? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't know that I would have ever thought about this one. Um, I think over. Okay. Um, playing live. Uh, okay, we're going to stick with it. the correct answer is whatever you yeah, think it is. Yeah. Okay, so uh, playing live in the studio, playing live or playing in the studio? Oh, you mean... Which one feels better to you? Playing live? Well, they both feel good, you know. Which, um, which resonates with you better? If I had to choose between one or the other, mm -hmm. it would always be live. All right. Just because that's, that's where it started for me. Jeff Beck or Brian May? Boy, that's a tough one, too. But Jeff Beck. Uh, Love Ed Brian May, though. Absolutely. Me, yeah. too. Uh, Eddie, Eddie Van Halen or Steve Vai? Eddie Van Halen. Okay. Even though I love Steve... Steve's a monster. He is a monster. You know, he's uh, 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 Eddie. Eddie, just because he's, it's a little roots here. Yeah. You know? Let's see. Uh, go to bed at four a.m. or get up at four a.m. Well, I'm kind of in a period of chronic insomnia, I think, right now. So I go to bed pretty late, and I was up at five o'clock this morning. So. Um, yeah, I don't go to bed at 4 a.m. ever. Ever. Okay. <laughs> uh, unless I'm traveling yeah. or whatever. And it's even then, 
it's pretty rare even even when I'm traveling and last question uh, guitar riff satisfaction or pretty woman yeah satisfaction just because Keith yeah oh that pretty woman's cool you know it's <laughs> but Keith yeah Keith yeah. Richards you know that's see when you when you asked the whole Beatles versus Stone yeah when you mentioned that that's a tough one because like I was listening to both bands when yeah. I first started playing I love George Harrison he's actually um, my favorite Beatle you know I mean, I love me some Paul, but George... I, I have to say George is probably my favorite. George Beatles. did the soulful stuff. There he did, yeah. There was something deep about George that... I mean, and there was... About all of them, really. But but at the same time, I was also checking out the Rolling Stones. I was checking out Keith. And uh, and also, you know, Mick Taylor was in that band for a while. And he was a yeah. monster. But it didn't work quite the same way as it did with, uh, you know... Ron Wood later on. So uh, yeah, I love it. Know. See, I, yeah, that's the. I do like the early Stones, but honestly, the the Ron Wood era is really yeah. where I pay, started paying 70s, attention. Yeah, seventies, nineteen seventies. Once Ron Wood was in the band, he was with Rod Stewart and Faces, right? Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. yeah that's was, yeah. I like I I like Ron Wood. Yeah, Ron Ron's a, and you know there's a lot of really when people hear a lot of the more guitar soloy kind of stuff mm-hmm. on Stones records. They're actually hearing Ron Wood more often than they th- think. I, I That's think. interesting. Because yeah. Keith is really, he's really the ri- the rhythm cat. Yeah. He's really... Netflix has a really good um, documentary on Keith Richards, and I can't remember the name of it, but it's it's there. Seems and like uh, I've heard about it. Yeah, we actually, I was, I, I was watching it. We were driving back from, uh, well, Ohio from back to Tennessee, and that's kind of we got stuck in a traffic jam somewhere in Cincinnati, so that kind of yes. was great to help pass the time. But uh, yeah, it's interesting stuff. So, well, listen, that's all we have. That's cool. that's all the questions I have, and uh, we appreciate you uh, taking some time to talk to us, uh, Chris Catros, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> So, um, seriously, on behalf of all of us here at NashvilleGuitarStore.com, I want to say thank you for uh, just sharing who you are with us. And thank you, Marcia, and thank you, NashvilleGuitarStore.com. Dedicated to bringing you inspiration, education, and behind-the-scenes stories from prominent guitarists and others influential in the music profession. To hear more, subscribe to the Nashville Guitar Store podcast in iTunes. Go to NashvilleGuitarStore.com or find us on Facebook and Instagram. (laughs) 